It's good to see you all today. And this morning, my little talk is entitled, It's Friday. It's Friday evening. And y'all are thinking, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> you're thinking, Beverly has been out in her garden in the sun a little too long, and her brain may not be firing on all circuits. But I will explain. In 2 Peter 3.8, it says, Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And there's also a verse in Psalms 90, verse 4, For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday, when it is past and a watch in the night. So we're talking about God's time. Um, in God's eyes and in his time, we'll forget about what the evolutionists think and gladly accept what the Bible says, that this earth is, was created in six days, God rested on the seventh. And most Christian believers around the world believe that our earth is now approximately 6,000 years old. Well, the world needed a dating system. I mean, we have it now. We don't think about it, but it hasn't always been this way. To make Bible history understandable it took over 1,100 years, and three men helped. First, in 525 A.D., there was a Roman monk. You see him there on the left, Dionysius. He was from Scythia. I didn't know where Scythia was, but that's what's Ukraine today. He came up with a dating system beginning with the date of Jesus' birth. And since everything was done in Latin, it was called Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, one. The second one there is Venerable Bede. So in 731 A.D., he was an English monk. He promoted um, Dionysius' dating system, but he added B.C. to it before Christ. For the years before that time, zero didn't exist back then in their numbering system, so it was left out. Later, it was added. But even with that little problem, this was a great advance in dating. And the third one on the right, that was in the 1600s, Archbishop James Usher wrote a book, Usher's Chronology, in which he took the task of dating all of the events uh, in the Bible when everything happened when the patriarchs were born, when they died. He was a scholar, a historian, and a leader in the Church of Ireland. His book had a lot of critics, but at least it was a great start for this dating. He used his knowledge of ancient language and history to come up with a chronology based on the Bible's text. He linked the ancient and biblical history, and he counted back to establish important dates in the Bible, including the exact year of creation, which he said was October 23, 4004 B.C. I thought that was quite interesting. Because, because of the very secular world that we live in now and people trying to get rid of God, B.C. and A.D. are often done away with, and they've been replaced. If you ever see C.E., that stands for Common Era, that's the same as what we live in now, what we know as A.D. And if you see B.C.E., it stands for Before the Common Era, which is what we know as B.C. It's the people's way of eliminating Christ, eliminating God from our lives, not thinking about him. Because if somebody came across B.C. 
like maybe children in schools, like, what does that mean? Before Christ. At least they have an idea that the dating system centers around Jesus. When you do BCE and CE, you don't get that. But with God saying that for him, a thousand years is one day, and Earth's history began about 6,000 years ago, God has experienced 6,000 years of this world's history, or six days, Sunday through Friday. So, you know, it's usually good when we have a talk or sermon up here. It's got details. But today, we're going to look at the big picture. And the, it's a different perspective. We're going to look and see how God sees it. And uh, we're going to do this, as Paul says, decently and in order. So we are going to start with Sunday. We are looking at an Excel spreadsheet that I put together. Each one of the dark vertical lines in between two of those lines represents 100 years. And each one of these slides shows 1,000 years, so you have 10 100-year periods. And God's Sunday, but it goes back a little before 4,000, but these, these are approximations. Um, so it starts at 4,004 B.C., and in between each one of those 100-year lines are actually four squares of 25 years each. You can't see those marks, but that's what I had to use to place the dates to the closest 25-year mark. Now, these charts are not perfect. They're not exact. They're representations to give you an idea of things, the big picture. So the first thing in the far left-hand corner is creation. Creation lasted six days of God's work, and on the seventh as a day of rest, which we still honor today. And in Genesis 5 is where you find the genealogy, or all the begats, that started with Adam. Now, the Bible tells us how long each one of those people lived and how old they were when they had their child. And usually it's the oldest child, but it's not always. It's the child who was to receive the birthright. And here on Sunday, we have nine generations. And if you look on the left, I put numbers down there to represent which generation each one of those was. Um, Adam lived 930 years, as you can see on the chart. And he was alive to see his grandchildren down to the sixth grade. Okay, how many of you, raise your hands in here if you have grandchildren. Okay, how many of you have great-grandchildren? Does anybody have great-great? All right, we got one. Yay, Bobby. <laughs> okay, do you have two? Okay, do you have any great, great, greats? Well, Adam had, he lived to see his great, 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 great grandchildren. That is a long time and a lot of grandkids. <laughs> okay, but besides these people that are listed here, of course, we know that there were a lot more sons and daughters and people who are not listed in all the genealogies. And A lot of the timing, we really don't know. We don't know exactly when sin began, but we do know it must have broken God's heart. Then to see Cain kill Abel, that's got to be heartbreaking. And because of Cain's unworthiness, Seth is the one that received the birthright, and he is next. So going down the... um, through. Excuse me, through the list, we have Adam first, then Seth two, Enos three, Canaan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, and Lamech. That was nine generations of the patriarchs. And if you notice, only two of them did not live past the first day. 
Adam died 70 years before it was over, so he was 930. And then number seven, Enoch. He lived 365 years before God took him to heaven. And uh, Okay, and the first seven that lived and died on earth lived an average of 926 years. Isn't that neat? Long time. Uh, Enoch was a prophet, and we've got his testimony in Jude, and he talks about the third coming of Jesus. But Enoch was a prophet. He named his son Methuselah, which back then means when he is dead, it will be sent. And you'll see that in just a minute. Remember, when he is dead, it will be sent. Okay, and I also thought it was neat that Enoch, number seven, the perfect number, lived and walked with God, and God took him. So hopefully, Sunday ended on a little better note. Now we'll go to Monday. On Monday, we have a continuation of those first seven patriarchs who were born on Sunday but died before the flood. Uh, My lines are not exactly perfect because Lamech died five years before the flood, and Methuselah died the year of the flood. Remember? When he dies, it will be sent. That was Methuselah. It was a prophecy of the flood. And we see that Noah was the first patriarch born on God's Monday. God was grieved, though, with the sinful condition of the world. And during Noah's life, he brought the flood. Noah had preached 120 years. Methuselah had died, and the flood came. And the flood destroyed everything except for what was in the ark. And at that point, lots of things changed. Now, the lifespans of Lamech, Noah, and Shem, who were right there together, the last three born before the flood averaged 775 years. That's down 150 years from those previous ones. Now, if you look at those born after the flood, starting with our fact said, see if he was born a little bit after the flood, but I had to put it right there. Um, He was the 12th generation down to the 23rd generation, which we'll see on the next slide, their average lifespan was only 250 years. That's a drop from 926 to 775 to 250. And now we've sunk even lower. King David said, The days of our years are threescore and ten, and if by reason of strength they'd be fourscore. And, of course, the score is 20, so that would be 70 to 80. And now in the U.S., the average lifespan is 76.4. The ladies have 79.3, and the men are 73.5. And the U.S. lifespan has decreased since COVID, and I think it will probably more as we go along. But we are now living 850 years less than the patriarchs before the flood did. Rather sad. Also on Monday, you'll see that other tall one, the Tower of Babel. The earth was divided, and it happened during Peleg's time, as it's mentioned in the Bible. And some think that the, actually the, the plates on the earth shifted and maybe moved around or whatever. Others think it was the Tower of Babel when the earth was actually divided by language. So Monday was a rather sad day. Then we go on to Tuesday, and we're at 2000 B.C., now to 1000 B.C. That's still a long time ago. But Tuesday finishes our view of those 23 generations of patriarchs that are easily trackable by the years mentioned in the Bible. It began with Adam, and it ends with Jacob. 
And from this point on, instead of dealing with individuals, we're more dealing with nations, countries. Okay. Now, I do, before we move on, I want to backtrack a little and show you something that's kind of neat. We're going to backtrack to Sunday. And if you look, Adam up there, look over on the right and go down, he could easily have talked and shared with Methuselah because Methuselah was 243 when Adam died. Now, if we go over to Monday, go to Methuselah, which there he is right over coming up to the flood. He could easily have shared with Shem, who's right down there, right below Noah. He could easily have shared with Shem, as Shem was 100 when Methuselah died. And now if we go over to Tuesday, Shem could easily have communicated with Abram and Isaac. If you look at Shem up there, he's the second one, and Abram is 20 and 21. Because Abram would have been 150 and Isaac 50 when Shem's died. Now, on on God's Tuesday, he made a covenant with Abram because of his obedience and that all nations of the earth would be blessed through him. And we can see the beginnings of Israel down here at the bottom. We have Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, like David told a little bit of the story of Joseph today, the enlargement of the family, how it was growing, their trip to Egypt, their stay there, and the exodus, which was led by Moses, and then the wandering, the 40 years down at the bottom that they wandered in the desert, and uh, then the conquest, that's listed up there, the conquest of the land of Canaan by, jo- by Joshua. And then we have several hundred rule, years of rule by the judges where every man did what was right in his own eyes. But finally down there at the bottom, We have King Saul and David and Solomon. And Solomon, with David's help and collecting of materials, was able to build God's temple to present a picture of God's salvation. So I think Tuesday ended on a nice note. Now we'll go to Wednesday, which is 1000 B.C. up to zero. And there we see four foreign kingdoms enter the picture. What are those kingdoms? Yeah, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. They were in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, and they each influenced Israel. Now, Israel is down at the bottom. It's supposed to be green. I guess it's sort of green. Um, And during the first half of Wednesday, which would be 500 years, the land ended up being divided into two parts, Israel and Judah. And um, Then the ten northern tribes that made up Israel were eventually dispersed, so they no longer really existed. And continued disobedience caused Judah's two tribes to be taken captive to Babylon. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar took them captive, and many were killed. Many were marched to Babylon, including Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael. And that's, they're in the yellow down there, Daniel and his friends. That's approximately the time frame they lived in. Their obedience to the Lord was famous as the three who wouldn't bow to the king's image. They stood up against worshiping an image. Remember that. They stood against worshiping an image. And then they wouldn't bow and they wouldn't burn because Jesus walked in the fire with them. Daniel's obedience and faithfulness was revealed through his life. 
especially when. What story do we think about Daniel? Daniel in the lion's den. Thank you. Um, The lions couldn't eat Daniel because the Lord protected him. Okay, Daniel served as a prime minister through several rulers in Babylon, but also Medo-Persia. Now, you think about that. You know of anybody who's served in two opposing regimes? It doesn't happen. Only the Lord works things like that. And Daniel was blessed, um, not only with that, but interpreting dreams and also having dreams and prophecies himself. And they also all came true. The first one was when King Nebuchadnezzar dreamed about this great image of a man. We know it, very familiar with it. The head of gold, the breast and arms of silver, the belly and thigh of brass, and the legs of iron, and the feet of iron and clay. And then a stone cut out without hands. Smote the image on its feet, broke it to pieces, and it blew away in the wind. Who's the stone? Jesus. Jesus, that's right. The stone became a great mountain and filled the earth. And Daniel interpreted the dream, told us about these four nations that it represented. It's a historical fact now. And Jesus, the rock, is coming again to set up his kingdom. And all these earthly kingdoms that so many people have bowed down to and had to deal with are going to just blow away. Daniel's 2300-day prophecy, which is in green, began when King Artaxerxes gave the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. That was October 23 again in the year 457. And 2,300 years later takes us up to October 23, 1844. And we'll see the end of it on Friday. Several things were to happen to this prophecy, or several things were going to happen during this prophecy. And on Wednesday, the temple in Jerusalem was rebuilt. You can see that up there. And when God prophesies things, they happen, and they happen right on time. And during Daniel's time, there were two groups of Jews that returned to Jerusalem from Babylon to help rebuild the city and the temple. The first one was led by Zerubbabel, and the second was led by Ezra. And Daniel had one other dream. It was about the little horn power. That will be on Thursday's chart. However, Wednesday ended up with another prophesied event, the brightest note ever to end a day on, the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in Bethlehem in 4 B.C. You can see that right at the end over there. Now we're going to turn to Thursday, which we get to the year 0 and up to 1000 A.D. We're switching from B.C. to A.D. now. Jesus lived from 4 B.C. to 31 A.D., He was baptized in the fall of A.D. 27, crucified three and a half years later in the spring of A.D. 31 at Passover, and 50 days later at Pentecost, the early rain began to fall when the apostles preached Jesus in many different tongues to the crowd assembled in Jerusalem. Three and a half years later, Stephen was stoned by the Jews when they officially rejected Jesus in the fall of A.D. 34. At that point, the gospel went to the Gentiles. All this timing was lined out perfectly in Daniel's 2300-day prophecy. At the bottom of the chart, we also see the beginnings of the seven churches of Revelation. And here on this page, we have four, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, and Thyatira, and also the seven uh, seals 
they're down at the bottom, the first seal, second, third, and fourth. And they run concurrently in the same time periods until we reach the sixth seal on the next day. And on March 7, 321 A.D., Constantine ordered citizens in the city to rest on Sunday and do no work. All workshops were to be closed. And so right there, you can see up vertically, we have the first Sunday law. Okay, during, now at this point in time, pagan Rome ruled till 538 A.D., um, During the end of that pagan Roman era, the capital, Rome, was moved to Constantinople. The Caesars moved there, leaving a leadership vacuum in Rome. Well, the church and its papal leadership moved into that vacuum and took over the leadership of the empire. That begins Daniel's 1260-year prophecy of the Little Horn's time of power. So in 538 A.D., papal Rome had destroyed three European tribes, the Ostrogoths, Vandals, and Heruli. That began the Dark Ages in Europe, a time of biblical and educational ignorance and of persecution and usually death for those who would not worship as the Roman power dictated. Now we are on to Friday. A.D. 1000 to now. At the top we see Papal Rome's rule did end in 1798 French Francis Napoleon sent General Berthier to Rome he marched in took Pope Pius captive and that ended the papacy's power the saints had been in Rome's hands for 1260 years just as the prophecy said but after those troubling days Matthew 24:29 tells us the sun would be darkened the moon would not give its light and the stars would fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens would be shaken. And three things happened then, around that time, I should say. In 1755, Lisbon, Portugal, experienced a huge earthquake. It destroyed that city, and the majority of its inhabitants either died from the, from the quake, the resulting fires, or the tsunami that rolled in after the waters went out. The second one was in 1780, the dark day in New England, when the sun didn't shine and neither did the moon that night. And in 1833, that's the third one there, the stars fell from heaven. It was a Leonid meteor shower, and that happens every year, and every 33 years, it's greater than usual. But this one was unusually prolific and one of the most spectacular astronomical sights ever seen in the modern era. And you can look that up on the Internet. It's got a lot of information on it. Many people believing that the world was coming to an end. It was seen all over the U.S., from the north to the south, and the meteors falling were described as thick as snowflakes in a snowstorm. Now, I know we don't have too many snowstorms down here, but we've had some. But if some of you from up north can imagine, you think of a heavy rainstorm. It's kind of like that. It was lots. Okay, looking at the bottom page in green, we see the continuation of Daniel's 2300-day prophecy. It ended in 1844. And we know that when it ended, the Bible says the sanctuary would be cleansed. And at that point, the believers in Jesus thought that that meant Jesus was going to come and take them to heaven. Well, William Miller and all his followers in the U.S. preached that message for about 10 to 15 years before 
1844. And Joseph Wolfe carried that same message to the, all the then-known mission stations around the world. That guy made tracks in a lot of places. A lot of people believed this, but they were terribly disappointed when Jesus didn't come. Most of them fell away, but a small group kept studying, and they discovered the cleansing of the sanctuary actually referred to the Day of Atonement, a day and a time of judgment in the heavenly sanctuary. These people started our Seventh-day Adventist church, and this judgment is a judgment of those whose names are in the book of life. Those who will be ready when he comes, that's what the judgment is for. If you think about the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament, it wasn't judging the wicked outside of the camp, the other nations. It was for the Jews. Also at the bottom are the continuation of the seven churches and the seven seals. And they run concurrently up until you get Philadelphia ended in 1844 And the the church we're in now is called Laodicea, as we're familiar. But the sixth seal covered both of those churches. The seventh seal doesn't show up until Jesus actually comes. In the late 1700s, we see the U.S. there at the top, red, red outlined with white and blue. It came on the scene as the two-horned, lamb-like beast. It's been a world power, and it has promoted religious liberty. However, the Bible says it was eventually speak as a dragon. And if the Bible says it, you can count on it happening. The Roman church's deadly wound was healed, as you can see up there, in 1929 when Italy's Mussolini signed the Lateran Treaty, which revived and legitimized the papacy and gave the Catholic Church its 108-acre territory back. And that is basically where we stand today. It's Friday. I think it's getting very close to Friday evening. And we're waiting for the next events. See a little space in between there? We're waiting for these next events to happen. But before Jesus comes, there's a few things that do happen to happen, have to happen. But they're not necessarily in chronological order up here. Just wanted to give you the big picture. The earth is going to find itself in disastrous problems. The Catholic Church and the Evangelical Churches are going to claim if we just follow them in keeping Sunday, all our problems will disappear. God's people, however, are going to share the three angels' messages of Revelation 14 with the world. The Holy Spirit is going to be poured out with what's called the latter rain. It's going to give power to these messages, so sharing and encouraging everyone to follow God and His Ten Commandments. As a result... People will have to make a choice, either to follow God and keep his commandments or to worship the beast and his image. Those who follow God will be sealed with the seal of God. Those who don't are going to get the mark of the beast. The U.S. is going to change and speak as a dragon. It will make an image to the beast. Remember in Daniel's day, the image that represented King Nebuchadnezzar was set up and everybody was to bow. But here, Sunday worship is the issue, and it's Satan that desires our worship, although most people don't realize that. We need to stand firm like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. There will also be a little time of trouble for God's people. But once everyone has made their, as they say, is that your final decision? Probation will close. 
that's it. Jesus will say, it's done, it's finished, however you want to say it. Decision-making time is over with at that point. And God will pour out his seven last plagues on the wicked. The seventh seal will happen when Jesus comes. Hallelujah. So it is Friday in God's week, Friday evening. We're standing between the left side of this chart and the right side of that chart in the little space between. Now in Luke, I put this verse in the, in the bulletin today. Luke twenty three fifty four says, That day Friday was the preparation and the Sabbath drew near. Well, back then, Friday was the preparation day. Preparation with a capital P, at least that's what's in my Bible, it was an important day. And I think we're pretty near the end of Friday. We might, I think, the Lord wants to save as many as possible. I think we're like on overtime, whatever word you would say for that. He's letting us go a little longer. But we need to get ready. We need to prepare ourselves with prayer and Bible study and some action for what's going to come And it's probably going to be sooner than we can imagine. But only God knows. And I ran across this little saying recently. We often hear, life is short, you better enjoy it. How about, eternity is long, you better prepare for it. We all need to get our priorities straight. And remember our verse this morning, and the Lord, he's the one who goes before you, he's He's got all this. He knows what's happening. He's he's before us. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. So do not be do not fear nor be dismayed. Now, I want to show you what's ahead. Sabbath. That thousand years. There's no dates on here. We just know it's a thousand years long. Jesus will come to take his saints home to heaven. The dead saints will be resurrected, and with the living saints, they'll be changed to a new glorious healthy bodies and taken to heaven. The wicked will be slain with the brightness of Jesus' coming. The righteous will be a part of the judgment of the wicked in heaven. The books will be opened, and all questions will be answered. The earth is going to be desolate, and Satan is going to be bound in this empty, desolate, sin-damaged earth for a thousand years. But the earth is going to have its Sabbath day of rest. Okay, now after this thousand years, over on the right, the holy city is going to descend to the earth. The wicked are going to be resurrected and fight against God and try to take the city. But fire is going to rain out of heaven and destroy them forever. At that point, the earth will be purified and recreated. And eternity on this purified, glorified earth is going to begin. And I pray all of us will be there. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray that you'll help us prepare our hearts, our minds, and our lives for your coming. We pray that you'll bless each and every one and lead us. And we just put ourselves in your hands and we want to say thank you, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.